Let me ask you this. Did Jesus have anything to do with his own resurrection? Where did the power come from for Jesus to be raised from the dead on that day? Did Jesus have anything to do with it personally? Did Jesus, did Jesus use his own power in cooperation with the Father's power? Or was it all on the Father and Jesus just was very passive? What do you think? All right, Jesus did have something to do with it because we read in John 10, 17 and 18, Jesus saying, I have power to lay it down. Remember that? No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. And we, re, um, we remarked about uh, John 2 and 19 uh, Sunday, how that Jesus said, destroy this temple, and then what did he say? Three days, what did he say? I will raise it up. I will raise it up. So Jesus, even though on the earth, in the flesh, still his power was involved in bringing himself back from the dead as the Father and as the Holy Spirit were involved as well. Very interesting thought there. Okay. Turn with me to Matthew 27 and 63, a little verse I have meant to mention Sunday, but it's, to me it's um, something to consider. Matthew 27, Jesus um, has died. The next day, verse 62, Matthew 27, next day, uh, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, these rascals, they gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that this imposter, talking about Jesus, said, while he was still alive, that after three days I will rise. Now, we mentioned Sunday that it would, you would think that on the third day, one of the disciples would have had the notion of at least going to check the tomb because as many times as Jesus said, I'm going to rise on the third day. He repeated it very often. Okay. He even illustrated it with, with Jonah and, and, um, and the great fish. You would think that they would have the notion of going and checking the tomb. But notice here that even Jesus' enemies heard him say this. And so the news was out there that Jesus had said on the third day, I will rise again. And even the chief priests and Pharisees, the ones responsible for his death, they even had heard that and they bring it up here again. How do we account for the, I don't want to be too hard on, on Jesus' disciples because I'm just as, as dim-witted as anybody a lot of times, but how do you account for the fact that they just completely ignored, almost seemingly, the idea that he could actually come back from the dead? 
How do we account for that? We would definitely call the resurrection of Jesus an impact uh, event. Mark 16, verse 8, concerning the women that came to the tomb, it says that they left that tomb after they heard the voice of the angels uh, with great deal of trembling and astonishment. In fact, the English Standard Version there says they were seized. They were seized with fear and astonishment and, and trembling. So this was an impact event uh, for them, no doubt. By the way, why do you think God chose women to be the first to spread the news about the resurrection? Because you're, I mean, that's exactly the answer I was thinking. That women can spread the news like nobody else's business. You know that. A guy can walk in to his house later in the day. His wife can say, what'd you do today? Well, nothing. How was things? Fine. And there could be a nuclear explosion. And the guy would come in and say the very same thing. But a woman, on the other hand, she knows how to get the news around. And I have good memories of my mother being on that phone with the cord. And she, when there was something to spread, she knew how to spread it. And that cord would wrap around a couple of walls, but she would, she would spread the news. Okay. But I'm just kind of making some time here, some thoughts. I want you to be thinking very seriously about how the resurrection of Jesus impacts your life personally. I want you to, to be ready to share that, uh, if you will. There's no doubt it had an impact in those early days, and it was meant to have in our reading of 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verses uh, 12 through 19. Paul makes it clear that if Jesus is not raised, verse 14, I think it is, then um, our faith is in vain, our teaching is in vain, our faith is futile, our, we are yet in our sins, he'll go on to say. And so this was definitely the, the event that God pointed uh, to, and then afterwards uh, God pointed back to it. Definitely supposed to be an impact event, and it was huge. Think about how huge it was to the Jewish believers in those days, in that day. I mean, what changes came about for Jewish believers? What, what changes happened almost overnight if you were a Jewish believer in those days? What changes would take place if you were a Jewish believer, you've, you've believed, you've, you've operated by the, by the law of Moses, uh, your family has, now you believe in Christ, you believe he was resurrected. Okay, what changes took place almost overnight? Well, did they still bring animal sacrifices? Or did they stop that? And Jesus is now the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, John 1.29. What else changed? Yeah. Yeah, well, they changed laws, right? They changed from the law of Moses to the, to the law of Christ. 
Okay, Jesus fulfilled that law, Matthew uh, 5, 17, and that law was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2, uh, 14. So they changed from animal sacrifice to, to resting under the ideal and the, and the reality of Jesus' sacrifice. They changed laws. What about their day of worship? Yeah, absolutely. From the Sabbath day to the, to the first day of the week. Okay. What else changed? Giving. Do what? Giving. Giving. How is that, Sam? How would you explain it? Okay. From the idea of tithing, 10% of all, to just giving as you, as you prosper, okay. which, was a, which is, is a great challenge from God. Okay. I would say that they changed from the idea of God's leaders being a conquering warrior to the Messiah, the Savior, being, being meek and lowly, being a sacrificial, humble, and they had, to, they had to almost relearn the idea of what leadership really is all about. Under the old regime, there was the uh, focus on circumcision, but under now the New Testament system, there's a focus on baptism. Not just really overnight, it took a while for all this to sink in, but when you look at time overall, it was almost like overnight they abandoned those old things and embraced the new. Why? Because Jesus did come back from the dead. Absolutely. Did the women come up, they thought Christ was going to rise, or did they come to anoint his body? They came to anoint his body. That's right. And why do you think that's important? They came to anoint his body? They didn't really expect to find what they found. That's right. That's right. God threw the angels. Do what? That's a good point. They were sure that he was dead. That's that's a witness. That's testimony that he had died, and also testimony that they knew exactly where he was buried. As did a lot of people. As did the officials. As did the chief priest. Everybody knew where Jesus was buried. There's no, no conspiracy here whatsoever. He was definitely dead. He was definitely buried. Joseph of Arimathea, very well known by all the Jewish people in those days, he had used his own tomb to do this. There was, there was no secrecy about this. Everything is done right out there in the open. That's a very good point. Chief priest and the Pharisees, what you read in... Matthew 27, they, they understood the impact of even the perception of a risen Christ. Even if the apostle stoned the body and said he was resurrected, they, they said that, that's going to be worse there than the first. All right, very so good. They knew, about the, they knew what the impact would be. Yeah, just the notion 
Going back to Matthew 27 there, Brother Paul was saying, just the notion of that, they, didn't really, they might not have thought it was going to be true, and they didn't think it was going to be true, but they knew that the very notion of that could uh, stir up the movement even further. They wanted that movement to stop totally, and they thought they had stopped the movement of Christ. But they were so very wrong about that. Very good. What kind of rumor... <laughs> was started. Look in your Bibles to Matthew 28 and see what kind of rumor was started as look down to verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went to the, into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. These are the guards that had, that had fallen back half dead or as if they were dead. And they came and said, you know, the body's just not there. When they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. How could they know that if they were asleep? But anyway, verse 14, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed and this story notice this rumor here and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day so probably around 10 years or so after this event Matthew came back and wrote his gospel that we read so for for several years after this some people believed the rumor can you believe it or not that the disciples had come and stole the body of Jesus, that that's what happened to the body of Jesus. Human beings haven't changed very much, have they? I mean, the things that people will believe, it's just astounding. And governments haven't changed that much either. It's about, about money and, and power and who gets the money and who's, who says what. But the main thing here is what type of impact not only did this have in that day, but what does it have on us today, on us? We know it had an impact as far as the change in the Jewish to the New Testament system. When you, when you read into the book of Acts, the center of the preaching is the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. And we could... I'm not, I'm not going to do it right now, but we could take time. I've got it marked in my Bible, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. Come over to Missionary Journeys of Paul, Acts 13, Acts 16, Acts 17, Acts, Acts 18. Even Jesus said when he gave the Great Commission, Luke 24, 46, to go and, and preach that he is risen from the dead. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 that he had been there preaching that Jesus died according to the scriptures and was buried and raised according uh, to the scriptures. This, this was their new message. I think we need to learn something about that, that this was the center of their teaching. This is how they drew people. If they couldn't draw people through the death and resurrection of Jesus, people were just not going to be drawn because the evidence is so powerful that he was raised from the dead. So there was a great change that took place and it had an impact upon people. 
Well, what kind of impact does it have on you? What does it mean to you personally? We wouldn't, without the resurrection of Jesus, we would not have a way to heaven. It changed for them because it changed from the law of Moses to the law of Christ. And so they were already covered in the law of Moses with the sacrifices and all that, but the Gentiles were not. So after Christ died, they were included in, in, their, uh, in the law of Christ. Well, definitely, without the resurrection of Christ, there will be no hope of salvation. Because Paul said, we will be yet in our sins. God put everything on the resurrection of Christ. I've tried for years to think of some sort of comparison in everyday life to this. And it's just very difficult that God would put everything on this event just because he can. Because his power is so great that he can just... He can just do things like this. He said, hey, let's just put everything on. Even though he had already made all of these prophecies of Christ, and Christ has already done all this power, and the prophets of old had done power and had done great work, and all this marvelous teaching of Jesus is already being spread. You know, we would be a believer just based on the teachings of Jesus and on, and on the... Um, on the miracles of Jesus, but God brought it down to the resurrection of Jesus. And he's saying, if this didn't happen, then there's no belief, but since it did happen, there's, there's clear belief in salvation. Brother Rogers um, sharing the impact that resurrection has on our worship. So very important, of course. If we would not be taking communion if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. That all goes together. The, the sacrifice of Jesus, the, the cleansing blood of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus all goes together. And that's why we take it on the first day of the week. Jesus gives, assurance, gives us assurance through his resurrection. He shows us that he wants to walk with us by cleansing us with his blood. He shows us how much he loves us by, by allowing his son to die in our stead. The communion is so meaningful to each of us. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8 for a second as we continue to I want you to ponder why it means so much to you personally. Why would it be, looking at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8, Paul encourages Timothy to remember Jesus risen from the dead of the seed of David according to my gospel. What do you think that means right there? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8. What do you think that means? Do you think Timothy was on the verge of forgetting about Jesus? Or what do you think Paul is saying there to Timothy? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8. What do you think? Why would he tell Timothy? Evidently, Timothy is a believer. 
Timothy has been left in different places to teach the gospel here in the letters of Timothy. Evidently, Timothy is in Ephesus, a very tough place to preach the gospel. And but why is Paul saying, why is Paul saying, remember Jesus risen from the dead? He wanted Timothy to be, have complete understanding of all that had taken place. And then he can teach that. Okay. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Definitely he would want Timothy to, to continue to... to um, not that Timothy would forget. Yeah. But that, um, like any of us, it's easy to not focus on it as we ought. But also notice there in Timothy how often Paul says, Timothy, you've got to be ready to suffer. If you look in your Bible there in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, he says, be ready to suffer, Timothy. And Paul says in verse, uh, in verse 9 there, he says, you know, I'm, being, I'm in prison here and I'm being treated like a malefactor. I'm being treated like an evildoer. I'm being treated like a common criminal here, but the word of God is not bound. Okay. Notice in verse 10 of there, 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, you know, I endure all things for the elect's sake. And if you come through the chapters of 2 Timothy, Paul often mentions how much he's suffering, and Timothy, you've got to be ready to suffer. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prison, but be ready to suffer. Be ready to suffer. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 10, he says, You have followed me in all things, Timothy. You have followed me in my persecutions and sufferings as well. And so when you look at it from the standpoint of Timothy being ready to suffer, perhaps even die for his faith, because Paul is about to die for his faith, and Timothy may very well be getting ready to die for his faith not too long down the road, then the resurrection of Jesus would mean quite a bit, wouldn't it? Because if Jesus has that much power over, over life and death, then certainly that guarantees that we will be with him after death. Even if it comes, if it comes to death, then we'll be, get to be with him after death. But also... If Jesus is able to orchestrate his own death, burial, and resurrection, then certainly he can look after any of Timothy's needs, right? And our needs as well. Wouldn't that be right? I mean, if the Lord can do this, then he can certainly look after your everyday troubles. So it may be that He's saying to Timothy, look, Timothy, all this is very much worth it. Number one, the Lord knows what you're going through. And secondly, once he's done with you here, he's going to be waiting on you over there.
Sure. So it's not that we will forget it, but it is keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh. Good point. And that's that's the encouragement to Timothy, surely as well, to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Not just on the first day of the week, but remember the power there is also the power that will look after your needs and your worries and your burdens in everyday life. And that's the same power that will that will take care of you after this life here. Okay. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul uh, talked about the gospel that was just encapsulated in a death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He said, that's what I preached to you. Mm -hmm. I preached the gospel. And then he went through and said what the gospel was. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay. Good. It's right in the center of the, of the gospel. That's right. So while we're right there in 1 Corinthians 15, Brother Paul, you'll just read for us verses 20 to 24. Perhaps this will help us even more think about what the resurrection means to us personally. Start in verse 20. Yes, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 20. This is a continual, continual discussion of the resurrection of Christ. But then Paul begins to add something to that discussion. Go ahead, Brother. But now as Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ first fruits, after they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Okay, very good. Now what does first fruits mean there? When he says first fruits, what does first fruits mean? He was the first to be resurrected. Okay. Alright. First fruits is guarantee of fruits coming afterwards. It's it's a guarantee of a harvest coming. The sign of the first fruits is also a sign of more to come. Jesus is the first fruits, which guarantees that we also will undergo a bodily resurrection. Those who have been raised, we know that example in the Bible, but they died again. Right. Christ was raised never to die again. When we're raised, we'll be raised never to die again. Okay, good. Good. Other people had died. But I mean, other people have been raised, like Lazarus, but then they died. But Christ was raised to die no more. Okay. In fact, um, when Jesus spoke to John in Revelation 1, 17 and 18, he says, I'm alive forevermore. Okay. And so then, therefore, when our body is raised, then we will not experience death again. Okay. There is a great deal of hope there, isn't there? How much does the resurrection mean to you when you face when you face trials? What does the resurrection mean to you? Does is it um, is it a means of assurance to you? Is it a means of hope? Is it a means of enduring things that are challenging trials? Is it a um, is it a assurance of the words of Jesus? You know when Jesus. Um, had those angels speak to the women, uh, they said, you know, um, 
you seek Jesus who was crucified, he's not here, he has risen, just as he told you. So, is the resurrection meaningful to you because it tells us once again that Jesus will keep his word? Why is the resurrection so meaningful to, to you personally? We could discuss why it's so important to, to the unity of the Bible and the unity of what we believe together as a group. What about you, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord? Why is it such an impact in your life? And this, this idea of first fruits here may be the most meaningful of all. just a dead body without the resurrection of Christ. Okay. Okay. But with the resurrection of Christ, we have hope not only in this life, but in that which is to come. So perhaps the resurrection of Christ means a lot to the very hope uh, that you have. When I was in school in Montgomery, one of my teachers, his name's Rex Turner Sr., and Brother Rex was, when we were there, was already in his mid-70s, but when he would discuss the resurrection, he would always go back to a few years earlier when he lost his daughter to cancer, and she was only 30 years old or, or so when he lost her, and he, he talked about that. He said that, she was in the hospital in Atlanta, and he and his wife would make several trips from Montgomery to Atlanta, and he said he got to where he just could not be there to watch her go down and suffer as she, he did, as she did. But he also was reminded, and I remember this when he would say it, he says it's much easier to teach this, fellas, than it is to live it. But he said, when you're losing your daughter, you have to face this one-on-one. -on -one. Do I really believe this? And he said, I got to where I believed it more powerfully, not that I ever would want to lose my daughter, but he said in facing that, then he had to look at it one-on-one. -on -one. He got to where that he would say, this is not just a sermon. This is not just a, this is not just a, this is not just a package of beliefs. This is this is real. But you have to get down to the ideal. Do you really believe this? And a lot of times until we face things head on, we don't really ingest it like um, we ought to. So would anyone like to share just what the resurrection means to you personally?
Have you gone through similar situations? Or has it ever come down, has it ever become real to you? Or is it still just a story? Is it still just a story? Is it still just some chapters in the Bible? Or has it come off the page and come into your hearts the way the Lord would want it to happen? Romans 8.24 says what? What does it say? Hope that is seen. It's not hope. Okay. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 okay. So we don't have to see Jesus personally in order to believe. Didn't Jesus say something similar to that when he was talking to Thomas? He said, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. John 20, 29. And there is a blessedness to that. And we have that opportunity even today. Just this week on Christmas morning I lost my Aunt Shirley and Aunt Shirley her funeral's this Friday. She's a dear Christian lady and that takes away all of my dad's Sisters and in-laws. Sisters, brothers, and in-laws. And, um, but Aunt Shirley is uh, important because um, uh, we grew up right next to her. Little Barker village there. My grandma lived up the hill. Aunt Shirley and Uncle Charles lived to our right and we lived behind both of those houses. We all used the same driveway uh, every time. But Aunt Shirley basically helped raise us and um, but she was the last of my dad's uh, siblings and in-laws uh, left and so we will be talking Friday I'm sure about the resurrection both of Christ and the hope that that gives all of us what does it mean to you Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you really believe this? Has it made a deep impact? Is it a, uh, uh, an event that has impacted your life? Is it, has it become that to you?
And are we talking about it? Because when you look into the book of Acts, that's the, that's the main conversation. It changed the law, it changed the sacrifice, it changed the day of worship, but it also changed people's conversations. This is what, this is what we believe now. What else has come to your mind? Let's see. Well, well, one thing that came to my mind was when Peter comes to the tomb, we read about Sunday in Luke 24, and he was, he was, um, he was stunned. He stooped, he went in, he walked away, he went home. He went home. It was still collecting in his mind. But once it came together for Peter, then uh, he was like a, a fireball for our Lord. Think about the deep impact that the resurrection had on Peter. Peter. And that can happen for each of us as well. I did not want to uh, try my best tonight not to dominate the conversations. I'm trying hard here because I do that too much, especially in class. I want you guys to, to share uh, your, your faith and think about your faith. The most important thing to do is to personalize these teachings. Get them off the page and into our hearts. And the fact that Jesus promised and then made good on his promise, does that does that give you does that give you rest? Does that help you sleep at night? Does that help you want to tell others about Jesus? Are you anxious to tell your grandkids about it? And do you tell your grandkids? Is this a conversation? And if it's not, then why not? Well, this is 746. Thank you for walking through some of these uh, thoughts. And... Sunday we look at the scenes of the resurrection, but we want to be able to personalize it as well. And the only one that can do that is you and God uh, together. Okay. We'll take a three or four minute break here. Thank you once again for being part of class today. <laughs>